I have missed being with you the last couple of Sundays. It's good to be back. Uh, we got to spend that time with our life group. Our life group got together and uh, we got to take a, a cruise and go on vacation together. Uh, and that was, that was a, a wonderful experience for the most part. Um, we, we, re we really did have a good time. One of the things that we got to do was spend the day at, at a beach. And while we were spending time at the beach, um, my friend Rusty invited me to join him on a jet ski. While we were talking about it, he, he said, do you know how to swim? I said, well, sure. Yeah, I, I know how to swim. So we got together, we jumped on the jet ski, and, and we took off. And my first mistake was, was letting Rusty drive. Um, and we, we took off in, into, the, into the ocean. We, we went quite a, quite a ways out, really. Um, and, you know, it, I, I've come to decide that jet skis are probably intended for lakes, maybe not oceans. There's waves out there in those oceans. And so we, we were bouncing around and, you know, it, it was kind of, it was a little bit rough. It was fun. Rusty said, I'm going to make a hard right-hand turn. I said, okay. And so he made that hard right-hand turn. And I think what happened was as we came out of the turn, we hit a wave. And it dumped both of us out into, into the water. I had a life jacket on, of course. And uh, we, we both needed to swim back to the jet ski. And Rusty got back to the jet ski. I was having problems getting there. And I realized when he asked me, do you know how to swim? What I meant was, as a teenager, I knew how to swim in a swimming pool. <laughs> As an old fat guy with a life jacket on in the ocean that has waves and currents, swimming was not my strength. And so, quite honestly, instead of truly swimming, I think I was just kind of slapping the water, not making much progress. I'm guessing that what I looked like swimming was probably what Seinfeld's friend Ellen looks like dancing. <laughs> I wasn't making much progress, needless to say. Well, the problem was the jet ski would not start again. I don't know if it, I don't know. It, something was wet, something was overheated, I don't know. But the jet ski wouldn't start. And Rusty was on the jet ski by that time. And since he was on the surface of the water, he was floating away quickly. And I was treading water, my life jacket treading water. I literally, I, I, I couldn't breathe well. I, I'm guessing I was hyperventilating because of panic, but I couldn't breathe. And so I remember kind of hollering out, I can't breathe. And he said, well, just lay on your back. I'll come get you. As he sailed away. 
He went toward the horizon. (laughs) And I stayed there treading water, gasping for air for a few hours. (laughs) Maybe it was a few minutes that felt like hours. But honestly, at that moment, I really was afraid for my life because he really was leaving. He really couldn't get it started. I really was not able to swim well enough, and we were a long way from the beach. Fortunately, it didn't take as long as it felt. A fishing boat actually came by, and as the fishing boat came by, I waved down the fishing boat. They made a U-turn. They came around. They threw a rope, literally threw a lifeline to me. And I grabbed onto the rope. They pulled me into the fishing boat. Once I got on the the fishing boat, I fell at least twice. And as I was trying to catch my breath, Rusty got the thing started. He came back to the fishing boat. By that time, the guy who had rented us the jet ski finally realized there was a problem way out there. So he got on a jet ski and he came out to the fishing boat. So now I was finally kind of able to calm down enough to realize what was happening. Rusty was there with a jet ski to take me back. The guy who rented us the thing was there with a jet ski to take me back. I chose to go with the guy who rented the (laughs) jet ski. So we got back to the beach. And you can see here Rusty is coming up where we just were. Rusty was coming up uh, and and I let him know, you know, I I survived, I'm okay. So we got off our jet skis and then I just sat on the beach and literally took a few minutes to, to learn to breathe again. While we were sitting there recovering, thinking things through, um, we, we decided that we needed to figure out a strategy for telling Lisa what had happened. <laughs> and at one point the idea was, well, let's just go tell her part of it. And then later, in, back in, in, on the ship, in the cabin, whatever, You know, when it's just the two of you, you can tell her the whole story later when she's had time to to take it in. But then I realized, no, if I go and tell her the whole story, she'll never believe it anyway. So we're safe, and that's what we did. We went back. She was on the other side of the beach. She didn't see it all happen. So we went back, told her what happened, explained everything. She and I left the beach early. We went back to the ship, the cruise ship. As we were going back, I noticed my toe was hurting. And when I changed clothes there in the cabin of the ship, I noticed that my toe was, was black and blue. And as I watched it the, over the next few hours, really the colors kind of started spreading. I figured it was broken probably when I fell in the fishing boat. After our trip, by the way, when we got back to the real world, I I did go see a doc and got some x-rays. I didn't have a broken toe. I have three. (laughs) 
But that evening in the cabin, as, uh, as we were getting ready for the evening, getting ready for bed, trying to think, I just kept laughing. Now, that night it, it got a little bit personal and emotional, but, but as I was getting ready for the evening, I just kept laughing because the words of a song that I sang as a child kept coming back. And I couldn't get these words out of my head because all of a sudden they took on a whole new meaning. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry from the waters lifted me. Now safe am I. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. Before I, before I continue, let me just quickly say that um, none of the problems that I faced that day were Rusty's fault. They, re they really weren't. Now, over the last 25 years, there have been plenty of events that were his fault. But the stuff that got me into trouble that day were my responsibility. I got in trouble really for two reasons. One, because I've let myself get out of shape physically. And two, because I panicked. So I, I, I kid about Rusty, but I want you to know that it, he did everything he could have and should have done. But I only say that because he's not here, and don't y'all tell him I said it. <laughs> As you know, we've been talking together about weird words in great hymns. And, and although today is a little bit different, I want us to kind of continue in that vein, in that series. We are looking at this great hymn, Love Lifted Me. And as, as we look at the, the hymn, we'll talk about it some more together in just a little bit. Um, he combines, uh, James Rowe combines two stories from the Gospel of Matthew. The first one is in Matthew chapter 14. If you want to go ahead and look with me, we're going to talk about that story in Matthew chapter 14, beginning at verse 22. The second story is, is in Matthew 8, and we'll glance at that here in just a little bit. But in this story in Matthew chapter 14, you can, you can tell that this is what the, um, the hymn writer has in mind as he tells his personal story. In Matthew 14 at 22, it says that immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. Now, what, what's going on here, the context of this whole thing, is Jesus has just spent all day talking to people and teaching he was teaching for so long and there was so much to be said and the people were, were, were learning so much 
They didn't even take a break for lunch. And Jesus wound up feeding all of them in a miraculous way. Over 5,000 people got fed because Jesus did a miracle. And then he kept teaching and they kept listening. It was a very long day. He made the disciples in verse 22, get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. 23, after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, that's somewhere between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. In the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. Amazing. Not only had he just fed 5,000, but now he's walking on the sea. It just told us that the wind was really blowing, which means the waves were really rocking. You know, when, when we see pictures of Jesus walking on the water, usually the pictures we see have calm water because that's the only way our minds can comprehend that he's walking on it. But that's not what the story says. Somehow, miraculously, he is walking on Waves that are being tossed back and forth by tremendous winds. He walks on the sea to them, verse 26. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost. In their panic and their confusion, their misunderstanding is understandable. They cried out in fear, it says in 26. In 27, but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. How often he speaks those same words into our lives when we are caught in the storms of life. You and I find ourselves in times of darkness when, when spiritually and emotionally the waves are beating against us and we're treading water and there's fear and there's panic. You've been there emotionally if you're not going through a storm, you're fixing to. And he says to us what he said to them, it is I. Reminiscent of the first time God introduced himself by his proper name to his people, he said, I am. Now Jesus says, it is I. So you don't have to be afraid. Fear not, or a version of that statement, appears throughout Scripture. Some believe that they find it 365 times in the Bible. One for every day. Fear not. Why? Because He's with you. The waves are bigger than you sometimes, but He's bigger than the waves. The bad stuff that's happening around you seems dark and scary, but he's bigger than the darkness. He speaks into our storms. 
And he says, it is I. Stop thinking it's about you, little one. It is I. Fear not. Verse 28, Peter answered to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Peter saw something cool going on and he said, man, I want to play. Put me in. But notice how he said, he said, command me. Not allow me, command me. Why? Because he understands something that you and I need to understand. And that is when God gives us a command, he always gives us the the necessary resources to obey that command. He says, Command me, take charge, be the Lord of the waves and the Lord of my life. When you command me, I'm going to be able to walk on water. Peter says, command me that, uh, to come to you on the water. He said, verse 29, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. Next time you judge Peter too quickly for falling in the water. Remember, he's the only one who got out the boat. He's the only one who said, I want to be with you so bad. If you'll command me, I'll walk on water to get to you. If we could stop the story at verse 29, it would be so awesome. What an example. But we have to go to verse 30, don't we? When he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out. When he saw the wind, he was afraid. He wasn't hearing Jesus anymore say, do not fear, I'm with you. He couldn't hear that message anymore. Now all he could do was see his circumstances. And when he saw his circumstances, fear took over. And when fear takes over, you fall. He saw the wind, he was afraid, beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Remember those words. Lord, save me. Peter knew that if if Jesus didn't do something, Peter had no chance. So he cries out, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand, took hold of him, saying to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, he fell and broke his toes. (laughs) No, when they got in the boat, the wind ceased. Remember that because it goes hand in hand with the next story. Once they got in the boat, once Jesus got him through the scary circumstances, once they got in the boat, the wind ceased. It was no longer necessary. The test was over. And Jesus had control over the wind. Verse 33, and those in the boat worshiped him saying, truly, 
you are the Son of God. In, in the hymn, the writer correlates the sea with sin. I was sinking like Peter, like the rock without a life jacket. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore. And, and sin is not just something on the surface that, that, that causes me to do bad stuff and I really ought to work better and have better habits. No, the author of the hymn got it right. Very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. That's when Peter cried out, save me. He knew if he, if he sunk underwater one more time, he was gone. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry and from the waters lifted me now, safe am I. Peter talks about it. Peter would tell his story from the viewpoint of one who was sinking in water. James Rowe and... John Crowder, by the way, would tell the story as one who was sinking in sin. Still in need of the master to pull us out. Without him, we're sunk. Without him, we have no chance. Your story is not that different from Peter's and from verse 1. If you've come to know Jesus. In verse 1, we get, we get the author telling us, this is my life before Jesus. This is how I cried out to Jesus. And this is my life now. I was, past tense, sinking in sin. Then he heard my despairing cry as I called out, save me. From the waters he lifted me, now safe am I. If you are a child of God, if you've come to know Jesus, if you have been saved from your sin, you have the same kind of story. The details are different. But those three elements make up a big part of who you are. And it's those three elements of your story that people need to hear. This is who I was before Jesus. This is how I came to cry out to Jesus. And this is what my life is like now. You tell your story. Paul did the same thing. I was out killing Christians, thinking I was serving God. I was on the road, bright light, threw me to my feet, changed my life, heard a voice from heaven saying, stop killing people, stop hurting me. And now, as the, gen as the apostle to the Gentiles, I'm gonna tell the world about Jesus. You have the same three elements to your story if you're a believer and people need to hear your story. I would even argue that if you're still here, which you are because you're looking at me, 
since you're still here, the plan is for you to keep telling your story. That's your primary purpose. Verse 2, he says, all my heart to him I give, ever to him I'll cling. I learned that I need him. Without him I sink, I reach out, he reaches to me, and he, he pulled me out of my sin, pulled me out of the sea, if you will, and I'm never going to let go of him. Ever to him I'll cling, in his blessed presence live. Ever his praises sing, because of what he's done for me, I can't praise him enough. Here he says, I can't praise ever his praises sing. Love so mighty, so true, merits my soul's best songs. His love is so powerful, it deserves the best songs I can sing. It deserves the best I can do. It also deserves faithful, loving service too, to him belong. Not because I'm hoping to earn something, not because, not because I'm hoping to, to, to be good enough, but because of all he's done for me, I can't say thank you enough by serving him the rest of my life, every single day of my life. Even that won't be enough service to say thank you. Love lifted me. And then verse three of that hymn speaks directly to some of us. Souls in danger, look above. When I, was in the, when I was in the water, I was looking at the beach, seeing how far it was. I really, honestly, I couldn't see people. I could see the beach, I could see stuff, but I was so far I couldn't see people. I was looking at the beach, and I was looking at Rusty floating away. And I was looking for a boat. The verse says, souls in danger, look above. That's where the answer is. That's where the help comes from. We so often look for a beach to get back to safety or we look for someone to come, come help us or we, we, we look at, at the circumstances that are scaring us. The author says, souls in danger, look above. Jesus completely saves. He will lift you by his love out of the angry waves. No matter how far you've drifted or how deep your sin, he can handle it. He is powerful enough to save. I like the chorus of the hymn and I like to sing the bass line of this song because it adds a couple of words. Love lifted me, even me. Love lifted me, even me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. Even me. As Messed up as I am, as deep as I was in my sin and as deep as sin was in me, he could even save me. And I'm telling you, if he could save me, 
He can save you. If you're sinking in sin today and you don't know how to get out of it, you don't know how to have a new start, you don't know how to make sure that life is going to continue, spiritually speaking, he's got it. He's the master of the waves that are knocking you around right now. If you'll reach up, he'll reach down and he'll take you. And he'll never let you go. He moves in the, 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 the song and the hymn. He moves into that second story that I told you about. And we're, we're not going to take long here at all. But let me remind you of the second story in Matthew chapter 8, beginning at verse 23. Matthew 8 at 23. This is a different time. It actually occurred earlier than the, the story we just looked at. When he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waters, but he was asleep. The, the disciples are being knocked around. There's a storm everywhere. There's lightning flashing. The winds are, are, are blowing and the waves are beating them. And Jesus has taken a nap. He's the master of all that stuff. It's not going to get him. He's not going to let it get them. They went and woke him saying, save us. Do you hear the words again? Save us. We're perishing. And he said to them, why are you afraid? Oh, you of little faith. Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea. And there was great calm. The men marveled, said, what kind of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? Our song says by his, that he will lift you by his love out of the angry waves. He's the master of the sea. Billows his will obey. Billows, really the word means stuff that's big. We may use it, you look in the, in the sky, you say, look at those billowing clouds. Or if there's a, there's a great fire raging, we say the smoke was billowing, right? So the, the billowing waves mean they're, they're big waves, angry waves, he says. Billows his will obey. He, your Savior, wants to be. Be saved today. And that's the weird word in the great old hymn. Saved. You say, well, that's, that's not a weird word. Yeah, it is the way we use it. When we talk about being saved, we usually think that means to become a Christian. I think we may be missing a, an important part of that word because our religious culture may have changed it too much. In both of the stories we read, they said, Jesus, save us. To be saved means to be delivered out of danger, given a second chance in safety.
you're in a fire, you need the volunteer fire department to come save you, deliver you from danger, give you a second chance in safety. Don't get hung up on the churchy word saved. It simply means Jesus can deliver you from the danger you're in now. The danger that sin causes in your life. He can deliver you from danger, give you a second chance, a second start in safety. He, your Savior, wants to be. Notice that that salvation being saved doesn't happen by your own strength. It doesn't happen by your ability to swim or any life jacket that the world may throw you because even those will eventually let you down. It happens because he loves you. Love lifted me. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, For by grace have you been saved. You see our word? By grace have you been delivered from danger, given a second start in safety, spiritually speaking. For by grace have you been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God. In the mid-1700s, John Newton made his living Sailing, to, sailing back and forth to Africa where he would capture people and sell them as slaves. On one journey, a storm hit his ship. At least one man was thrown overboard and lost at sea. All of the crew feared for their lives. They were in danger. John Newton held on to the wheel and he cried out, Lord, have mercy on us. Just like in the stories, Lord, save us. When that trip ended, he never again participated in the slave trade. Instead, he began to pray and study. Eventually, he became a pastor. Then he really learned to pray and study. He wound up telling his story in a song. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound of that. That amazing grace that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Do you hear how he tells the three parts? This is who I used to be. I found amazing grace. Now this is who I am. I was blind, now I see. I was lost, now I'm found. In later years, Newton began to lose his memory. But he was aware of it. And he said, although my memory's fading, I remember two things very clearly. I am a great sinner and Christ is a great savior. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. If you haven't found that grace yet, you haven't been saved from danger and given that second start in safety. You can find it today. Jesus is here. He's reaching to you. If you just look above. 
Ephesians chapter 2 says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. Why? How? Because love lifted me. Romans 5 and 8, But God shows us his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us.